Welcome back to another episode of the Sports Hour. This is Mitch Mo, And this is Dallin. Guys, welcome on in to another episode of the Sports Hour. Good to be here. It is a Wednesday, Mitch. It is the Ides of March, as they say. Uh, Mid-March, as it is. It's a great time of year. Great time of year in the sports calendar. Uh, March Madness getting underway. Uh, officially tomorrow on Thursday. Again, we're recording this March 15th. Uh, going live on a Wednesday night, live on YouTube and Twitter. If you're tuning in, hello uh, from the socials. Uh, if you're listening to this uh, live, or sorry, uh, in the future, hello on the podcast feed. Uh, good to have you along. We got a uh, another fun show ahead. Mitch, tell the people what we got in store today. We got a ton in store. We got some NFL news. We have a trade, a mutual trade, Dallin, a sports hour trade, if you will, that we have to discuss <laughs> um, that we're going to get into a little bit. We also have a little bit of Aaron Rodgers news, uh, maybe some things that he handed on Pat McAfee earlier today. Um, some NFL free agency superlatives, which I think will be a fun way to uh, cover what's been going on so far during the free agency period um thus far um which actually opened up earlier today so we'll 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 get into that a little bit we got some uh revisiting of our new segments um some additions to the boys club a cracking update and then a very special segment to round out the podcast that we'll get to uh at the end of the show down it it's it's jam packed it's loaded it's worth you know loaded loaded show that we have here this evening absolutely yeah cannot wait a lot of stuff going on in the sports world especially in the nfl so uh excited to break down a little bit of free agency react to that uh but of course we have to start at the top with uh as you uh very rightfully put the sports hour trade our teams making a bet a mutually beneficial move together and you love to see that camaraderie uh we've talked about this before mitch wrote an article about this he even hinted at this in his article well done my friend uh the bears were going to trade the number one pick right it was just a matter of to who and what would the compensation look like how far would they move back uh well we have our answer it's back to nine the carolina panthers made the move all the way up to the number one pick uh, and in return, the Bears get that haul that they were looking for. They get the number nine overall pick. They get the number 61 pick in this year's draft, a second rounder. They get a first round pick in 2024, a second round pick in 2025. And, oh, by the way, uh, Pro Bowl level wide receiver DJ Moore uh, uh, as the icing on the cake there for the uh, Chicago Bears. So the Bears move back to number nine. The Panthers move up to number one. And here we are, uh, both of our teams involved in this big mega move. So I want to start with your bears, Mitch. It's yeah. Uh, I want to start with your bears. And I want to ask your reaction first to this. Uh, just kind of give, you know, let me know where you're at and then we can kind of talk through this. God bless Ryan Poles. God <laughs> bless Ryan Poles. That is a wonderful man who 
knew what he wanted and went out and got what he wanted. Um, this was, I had talked about best case scenario, them trading back twice. That might've been wishful thinking, but man, right now, this is, this is as good as it could have gotten. This is as good as it could have gotten a first round swap, two seconds and a future first and DJ Moore, a 26 year old wide receiver who's locked up for three more years. A wide receiver one that you get for three more years. I mean, this is this is as perfect as it gets. So um this was this is what the Bears needed to do. They they secure the future draft capital that they can invest in future draft classes. They still get a top 10 pick this year. And by the way, oh, they get the wide receiver one that they've been so longing for for the last few years. Um, something that they never gave Mitch Trubisky really to throw to and something that they J Justin Fields really desperately needed was a wide receiver one. They have that now. And this is, this is as good as it could have gotten for Chicago. Yeah. I mean, we talked about a lot of the different scenarios that they could have taken trade down twice, trade, trade to four and take a you know, a guy. I mean, there were a number of different ways, but yeah, I think ultimately this is a home run for Chicago uh, because again, you know, when we're talking about this, this move back to nine, the presumption and the thought would have been that you would have had to uh, probably give up two future first round picks to move back. Right. Uh, or to move up that far. Right. We saw San Francisco move from 12 to three just a few years ago. And in order to make that jump from 12 to three, they gave up two future first round picks to Miami. Right. So to move up to one, you would have thought that instead here we get a second round pick and DJ Moore. And I'd argue, I think that's a fair sort of swap here. And for the bears, it's more valuable because you need that guy for Justin Fields right now. So instead of a pick that becomes a future player that becomes, you know, it's like you just get a wide receiver one now on top of a future first on top of the, you know, you get all the assets as well, but for the bears in the end, I think this is a much better scenario. I think that, and I'll make the argument. This is a this is a better scenario for them than just getting the two future first because you get the known commodity and commodity in DJ Moore. You know what DJ Moore is. He's a, he's a wide receiver one, right? He's a guy that can be the head of your wide receiver core, and then you also get the future draft capital to build upon the defense that has been floundering. That you know, the front four is absolutely god awful right now. We know the offensive line's really bad. Trading back to nine puts you in the perfect position to take my guy, Peter Skaronsky, the my guy of my <laughs> of the draft, yeah. Peter Skaronsky. And then you also lock up the future first with the with the additional seconds this year and in 2025 to, comp to continue to build upon that. I mean, it, this, in my mind, getting DJ Moore in the second was better than what... You know, then getting the two first because one of those now is essentially a known commodity. I mean, DJ exactly. Moore is worth probably that second round, first round pick anyway. So, like, you get, you know, what you got. You don't have to take the gamble on anyone. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. And I think for, yeah, for the Bears, you're perfectly positioned again in the draft right now. You take Skaronsky, you take best player available. Uh, you trade back from nine. You know, let's say Skaronsky's gone. You don't love Paris Johnson in the top 10. You don't love Broderick Jones in the top 10. Eh. 
we'll slide back 14, 15. Anybody want to move up? You know, you move back. Like it just affords you so much flexibility to be in that spot specifically in the draft. I love that. Obviously the future capital is a big win uh, for Chicago uh, and DJ Moore on top of that. I, I want to sort of uh, transition this into the Panthers a little bit here, if that's okay. Uh, do you have any other thoughts on this from the bears perspective uh, as, as in regards to the trade? No, I feel like I've done my victory lap. I was yeah. actually going to transition into where do you stand on the Panthers into this trade? Because yeah. I mean, they gave up a lot for that number one overall lot. pick. It is a lot. And in, they're in sitting the in a same, good spot. Yeah. And in the same vein of this conversation, the way that I think it's better for the bears to take on DJ Moore as opposed to that future first, it's better for the Panthers to give up DJ Moore than give up that future first, in my opinion, uh, because we are now resetting this timeline, right? I mean, we have a new head coach, a whole new coaching staff, right? It, it feels like a new era in Carolina, right? With Frank Reich. And so you're resetting this clock in a way, bringing in a rookie quarterback at the number one pick absolutely resets that clock. And so now you're talking about a guy in DJ Moore with three years on his contract. He's already got that contract. He's getting paid. Yes. He's a great player. Yes. He'd help your young quarterback, but does that make the most sense financially uh, is he expendable in that regard in 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 the way to get up to that number one guy? In my opinion, I think it is. And preserving that future first round pick uh, who was going to become a vital player in the future is a big win for Carolina. Mitch, this is the move they had to make. The Panthers had to make the move up to number one, not number two, not number three, not number four, number one, because we've been floundering in mediocre quarterback play since David Tepper took over this team uh, less than five years ago. And if he wants to make this mark, his stamp on this franchise, which he certainly does, he needs to make a flashy move, which he knew coming into this offseason. So what did he do? He paid out of his pocketbook for one of the best coaching staffs in the NFL. He paid out of his pocketbook for all these different guys to bring them into Carolina. And then he traded everything to get up to the number one, to get the guy to have the best chance to secure a future star quarterback. And that's what you have to do in the NFL. It doesn't mean it's going to work. It doesn't mean it's going to pay off at all, but it's what you have to do. And as a fan, I'm just grateful that the team and the ownership made the decision to just do it. Go up to number one and take the guy, the guy you feel like is the strongest candidate, the most surefire guy. You might get that wrong. You, you know, it might be somebody else, but at least they made the shot. You know, they took that opportunity because you either win. It's about winning Super Bowls, right? That's at the end of the day. You know, getting the third best quarterback doesn't help you do that. Getting the first best would. So as a fan, listen, it's a steep price, but it's a price well worth it. And uh, now it's just about evaluating these quarterbacks and getting that decision right. Yeah. And the Panthers are in a good spot because like defensively, they're they're in a pretty good spot. They're They're in a really good spot. Uh, to continue to grow that defense. It was really the offensive side of the ball that they needed help with. And I mean, obviously quarterback was the glaring need. So why not trade a, 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 a pretty hefty package to make sure you get the quarterback of the future and then build around him. The bears did the same thing just a couple of years ago. Right. Mm -hmm. So um, kind of following almost the same model where bears are kind of on the upside of that. Now the bears are kind of, or the Panthers are kind of in the Valley of that same, uh, that same trajectory. So um, I think it was a, it was a great move for both teams. 
I think on paper, when you look at it, it's easy to go like, oh my God, the Panthers got robbed in broad daylight, but they didn't. Right. They didn't because the situation that they're in, it really, really pays off. It's, I think it's really, really going to pay off for them for, in the long run because they're going to get a great guy like Bryce Young or CJ Stroud to, to build around um, that organization. Yeah, I mean, listen, the price to trade up to the number one pick is always going to be hefty. But oh, if yeah. you tell me that that package uh, is coming for the next Patrick Mahomes, would any fan be like, ah, oh, they got swindled? Of course not. They would say 10 times out of 10, I wish my team would do that, right? So in the you end, take that's Pat Mahomes over that any day. Yeah. And, and in the end, that's what you're hoping for. You know, is you're, you're hoping that that's that next generational guy and that's the guy that changes the franchise and that's the price it takes to take those shots. So we'll see how it goes. It's now made me want to fast forward April 29th just to know who that guy is going to be, uh, you know, for the Panthers at the 101. Uh, but uh, it will be uh, certainly exciting and more moves to come in the draft order. And speaking of that, Mitch, you know, uh, perhaps this will shake up the draft order, the Aaron Rodgers uh, movement, as we have uh, known, as we have discussed, you know, his future in Green Bay. What would it look like? The rumors around New York, all the reports, and he wants to go to the Jets. They're meeting. There's a deal in place. They're working this out. Well, today he goes on the Pat McAfee show. Half a million, 500,000 people watching live. Incredible. Fun to be a part of. Uh, he comes on to clear the air. And he told, tells Pat McAfee, uh, and he tells the crew there that uh, he intends to play for the New York Jets. And that essentially, it's right now in the hands of the teams, uh, hammering out compensation. Uh, the way that he put it, he seemed to be putting a lot of the blame on the Packers. He insinuated that they're looking, that they're being greedy, that they're essentially looking for more compensation than they should in return for him. Uh, he brought up the fact that he's the longest tenured Packer ever. He's played the most games. He's one of their all-time greats, you know, just let me go, you know, do right by one of your all-time greats. Uh, he just wants to move on. Uh, and, the, and he will move on. That's basically what we've learned today, right? This is going to happen. It's just a matter of when and what the compensation looks like. Some of the reporting around that was that the Packers are looking for a Matthew Stafford-esque deal, which is two first-round picks. Uh, my guess right now is that that number 13 pick goes back for Aaron Rodgers, and we call it a day uh, when it all comes said and done. Maybe there's a third thrown in there because, you know, we got to just throw something else in there. But uh, this is going to happen, and, and Rodgers confirmed that. I mean, he said a lot else in that interview that we can talk about if you'd like, but... Uh, the most important information is that he said out of the the mouth of Aaron Rodgers himself, I intend to play for the New York Jets. This told me like this, this it cleared for as murky as kind of it seemed at the end of that interview, because it was a, it was a great interview, by the way. If you haven't seen it, go watch it because that's a great interview. But um, it cleared up a lot and it really just painted it black and white. He's either going to be a New York Jet or he's not playing football anymore. You've seen the last day of Aaron Rodgers in a Packer uniform. It would be a miracle if he is wearing green and gold next year. Absolute miracle. Um, and <laughs> I'm a firm believer in our Lord Jesus Christ, but I don't think that he's I, I miracle. This miracle seems impossible. I don't think he's going to be. I do not think he's going to be a a Green Bay Packer uh, next year. It's it's just not going to happen. So um, he is going to be a New York Jet. 
or he's going to be out of football and he's going to be the next host of Jeopardy. Um, and this is this is going to be this is going to be one of those things over the next week. I think that we're going to really see a lot of development on. We're going to see a lot of um, back and forth between the Packers and the Jets. We're going to see some statements from Aaron Rodgers because he is not shy about speaking his mind when it comes to the situation, and he's not afraid to put the Packers on blast. So I think that there's going to be there's going to be a lot of words thrown around. Um, but at the end of the day, I think we will see Aaron Rodgers in a New York Jets uniform in 2023. Yeah, I, I mean, think, it's, I think that's the that's ultimately what we're going to see. Yeah, it, it just just seems like a matter of of when at this point, and again, just waiting for the compensation from the Packers. There, I thought it was interesting though when he talked about uh, going into his darkness retreat. He mentioned uh, that he felt 90 percent sure he was going to retire before he went into his darkness retreat. Uh, and then coming out of it after the five days, he felt very strongly that he wanted to play again, that he wanted to try playing again. So, uh, you know, we were very close to seeing uh, an Aaron Rodgers just say, yeah, no, I'm good. I'm out, you know, uh, and that's it. So, uh, you know, fascinating how things have turned, but the Packers are ready to move on to Jer- uh, Jordan Love. They've said that uh, the owner, the the owner, uh, CEO, more or less said that a couple weeks ago. Uh, thanked Rodgers for his service, essentially. Uh, but yes, we will see what sort of compensation he gets from the Jets. Uh, he is, you know, it seems like Randall Cobb is going to come along for the ride. Who knows who else is coming along for the ride to New York. But uh, he pulls a Brett Favre, uh, the Brett Favre plan. He goes to New York. So Minnesota, uh, just pencil it in a couple years from now. You're going to get him on the tail end of his career. So uh, <laughs> Vikings fans, you can look forward to that. Eerily similar to the Brett Favre it's, debacle, isn't it? It's like, a little uncanny, you know. It's a little uncanny how this <laughs> is going to happen. Yes, sir. Uh, Mitch, uh, do you want to get into some of these uh, free agency deals? Yeah, let's get into some free agency deals, and we're going to attack this with some superlatives. So a little bit of a different way that uh, me and Downa have found. It's a way more inter- like entertaining way to talk about free agency deals than just naming numbers and places and names. It's, it's, it's a fun way to do it. And we're going to do start this off with the fits like a glove award. Yeah. And this is our, this is our best fit. This is our best fit that we're looking at. Um, as far as free agency has gone so far. So Dallin, I would like you to start here with your best fit. Um, so far through the early free agency period, what's your best fit so far, uh, that you've seen? Yeah. Um, you know, there were a number of guys I considered here. There's a lot of fits I really like, obviously. Um, but uh, the one that I'm going to go with is Rashad Penny to the Philadelphia Eagles, former uh, San Diego State Aztec, former Seattle Seahawk, joining the NFC champion Philadelphia Eagles on a one year deal. And uh, listen, Rashad Penny, the former first round pick, I think back in 2019, uh, has been, uh, you know, he's been a tough case in the NFL when he has been healthy he has legitimately been one of the best running backs in the league if you look at his stats per carry per game when he plays he's been one of the best running backs in the league but he's played less than like half of his games so it you know there's a reason why you know the Seahawks went and drafted Ken Walker Jr. or Ken Walker the third last year you know it's like we can't rely on Penny all that is understood but Philadelphia Mitch 
Philadelphia, you mean like the best running team in the league that has Jalen Hurts, that's bringing back Boston Scott and Kenneth Gainwell. And I mean, they might even add Bijan Robinson in the draft too. But throw Rashad Penny in there because even if he's good for six games, Mitch, he's going to average 140 for those six games. He's going to be incredible for when he plays. And what a better spot to put him in than behind that offensive line in that uh, in that offense. So I think for a low risk, high reward gamble at that position, I mean, what a great place to look. And I mean, I could just feel like him being, you know, healthy for a playoff run next year. And it's like, oh, yeah, there's Rashad Penny averaging 125 in these playoffs. He's just rush, you know, carrying this team. What's going on? So uh, I really like that. I really like that deal. Yeah, no, I love it for them, too. Um, I think it's a great filler for Miles Sanders. Yeah. Um, this is a guy that can bruise. This is a guy that can stretch outside. Um, he's not necessarily a pass catcher, but Philly has plenty of pass catchers in that backfield. Like that was kind of what the problem was with Miles Sanders being there. It was it was a very convoluted uh backfield with so many guys that are the exact same type. Rashad Penny does not match the type of running back that the other guys are there. So we're gonna see um, Philadelphia, Philadelphia, I think maybe take some of the run game pressure off of Jalen hurts and really utilize Rashad Penny. If he can stay healthy. And I hope that he can, because he's an exceptional talent. If he can stay healthy, utilize Rashad Penny for what he actually does and is actually really, really good at. And that is grounded pound four yards of carry grinded out for you and, and be, you know, kind of a, a light workhorse, if you will. Yeah, for sure. What was uh, what was your fits like a glove? Best fit so far in free agency. Mine's Jimmy Garoppolo to the Raiders. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's, that's not going to be popular among Raiders fans. No, it's not. And I need to tell Raiders fans right now. Right now. You wanted Derek Carr out. You got him. You got it. Finally, you got Derek Carr out for whatever reason. Derek Carr was your guys' biggest problem, and now he's out. You got what you wanted. You got what you wanted. You signed Jimmy Garoppolo, and all of a sudden, the world's coming to an end again. The world's coming to an end again because you got Jimmy Garoppolo, who is Derek Carr, but cheaper. At the worst, Jimmy Garoppolo is exactly what Derek Carr is. Let me give you, let me clue you in, Raiders fans. The quarterback position has not been the problem because apparently you guys aren't paying attention. Raiders fans don't pay attention. All they care about is wins and losses. They are paying attention to what's happened on the field. The problem has been the defense for the last two decades. You haven't addressed anything on that. At worst, you got exactly what you had before, but cheaper. Now you're just saving money, and I hope, I hope to God, that you address that on the defensive side of the ball. And if you don't, I don't want to hear a goddamn word out of any of you because you haven't addressed the problem one bit. Jimmy Garoppolo is a proven winner. He's a proven winner, a game manager, doesn't make dumb decisions. Give him a weapon or two. He can make some things happen. Now you've saved some money. Go address the defense. And if Jimmy Garoppolo, and if the Raiders are three and six at the end of next year, or at, at, in the middle of the next year, I don't want to hear anything about Jimmy Garoppolo unless he's throwing 20 interceptions. I don't want to hear anything about it because that's not the issue. The issue has been the defense. The issue has been the front office, and it's been that way for 20 years. 
Jimmy Garoppolo is a great fit for the Raiders because he is exactly what the Raiders need, which was Derek Carr. They just never addressed the actual problem. Rant over. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, they found Derek Carr, who's a better fit with their head coach, Josh McDaniels, right? I mean, McDaniels was his offensive coordinator in New England for three years, right? I mean, Jimmy Garoppolo has a familiarity with this guy. And as you pointed out, they got him for cheaper, Mitch. I mean, this year's three years, uh, $67.5 million, $34 million guaranteed. So you're basically getting him two years, $34 million guaranteed. Uh, Carr's getting that like per year over two years. Uh, so all that money that you freed up, as you said, goes to the defense. We've seen Jimmy G in a good situation. He he led a team to the Super Bowl. He damn near won one with the Niners. Now they had an elite defense and some very good offensive weapons, but they've got a lot of really good offensive weapons on this team. He's going to do fine with Josh Jacobs and Devonte Adams and Hunter Renfro and co like he's going to do great in that offense. And as you said, freeze up for the defense. So yeah, I think this is a best fit. He was a candidate for one of our categories later on, uh, on the list, but, uh, for me, but, uh, yeah, I mean, this is, this is a great fit. Uh, Raiders fans. Listen, I, I, and I will add this as well on top of everything that you said, cause this is great. This also does not preclude you from taking a quarterback in the draft this year. No, it take does Will not Levis. preclude you from taking Will Levis at number seven, which I love and I still love for them at this point because you just sit him for a year. You just play Jimmy G and say, kid, learn. All right. You're, you know, you, you're, your time will come, but you're going to sit here. You're going to learn. And that gives you that flexibility. You're not, you know, tied into Jimmy G so much that the 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 money doesn't make sense to draft a rookie. Uh, you you got all that as well. So yeah, Raiders fans, you'll be okay. This you is gonna work Raiders, out just fine. You know what the Raiders organization and Raiders fans are like? They're like the little kid that fell off their bike for the first time, and they don't know what to do once they fall off their bike for the first time, and they're just sitting there crying the whole time. Get up. Dust yourself off and try it again. Keep moving forward. And they just don't. They just keep falling off their bikes, sitting there and crying. It's ridiculous. I can't. I should have added Raiders fans to worst fan bases. I mean, really. I mean, they're just bad. They're just bad. They're they're They want to act all big and tough, but you're the biggest crybabies in the NFL right now. I mean, it's ridiculous. Yeah. I'm sorry. Rant over. I'm, I'm sorry. Mitch making enemies any out here tonight. I don't have I love any it. patience. I don't have any patience. For <laughs> I love it. Uh, Mitch, annual overpay. Uh, you know, this is the idea behind this. You know, in, a, in three or four years, we're going to look back and say, yeah, that guy didn't really live up to that contract. And free agency is notorious for that. Once you hit the open market, those contracts get inflated. Uh, you get above market value for guys that are not above market players. So in this year's iteration or annual overpay, uh, go ahead, Mitch. Who do you got? I got Mike McGlinchey, who was actually at the top of my list of free agent offensive linemen that the oh. Bears should go get. Yeah. Um, but you look at the contract, right? It's five years, five years, $87.5 million, right? So they're going to be, and it's actually, it increases in value as the year goes. Or no, I'm, I'm sorry. Yeah, it does. It increases in, you know, as the years go on. Um, so it's a backloaded contract on a 28-year-old offensive lineman. It just seems like they're going to be overpaying a guy at 30. Yeah. Um, he might have a couple of good years left in him before he starts to see the, you know, you start to see the downslide in his ability and his career. But 
Um, and he's a very talented offensive lineman, but it seems odd to have a five-year contract backloaded to a guy that's going to be entering his 30s in a very physical position. Um, it just seems like an odd, an, an odd contract to me. You, th- you figure you would have front-loaded it. Um, he must have a lot of confidence in his ability to be able to play long-term, but um, just seemed like a really, really odd way. Not Maybe not necessarily the overall value, but the way the contract is structured. Uh, Mike sure. McGlinchey uh, seems a little bit overpaid here. Well, and listen, offensive line contracts are typically those that end up looking the worst in the end, right? Because sure. that position is just hard. One bad injury, and it's like, yeah, that's it. That guy never was the same. And so, yeah, it's hard to get your value on those. I think that's a good call uh, with McGlinchey. I went with Mitch, and don't take this too harshly here, but I'm going to go with Terrell Edmonds, uh, the linebacker from Buffalo who got signed by your Chicago Bears uh, in a really – Big deal. The fourth largest, uh, the largest four-year contract for an inside linebacker in the NFL. Four-year, $72 million deal includes $50 million guaranteed. Uh, and listen, I mean, one, there's there's just paying a lot for uh, a linebacker uh, that, you know, that's just uh, at a position, you know, you just got to ask yourself where the value lies there. And I think on top of this, I guess I wonder now, why did you trade Roquan Smith? If you were, you know, Terrell Edmonds is making about 17 mil APY and Roquan made about 20 in his new deal. So you're talking a $3 million difference there, which, you know, over four or five years is, you know, a significant, but a $3 million difference. Is that like, you know, you drafted a guy, you groomed a guy, and then you trade him and bring in another guy, pay him similar money. I guess I just wonder the logic there and the difference do they feel they're getting that much value out of Edmonds? Edmonds had a really good year last year, career year, but he hasn't really lived up to that expectation and the first round draft pick that he was. You're hoping he builds onto that in this contract, but it seems more projection than it is what he's valued at right now. And so that's where I say maybe down the line, they look back and say, yeah, he probably wasn't worth uh, that market number, you know? So that's, that's why I felt on the Edmonds thing. Not a bad player, but, uh, but yeah. I hate, I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I totally get where you're coming from. I do want to say real thing. It's Tremaine Edmonds. Tremaine um, Edmonds. I apologize. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, I think there is a it's his brother. It's his brother. Terrell. Yeah, Edmonds. Ter- Terrell yeah. Edmonds. Yeah. I apologize. Both. Yeah. Brothers. No, no, you're good. You're good. I was just like, Oh, we're talking about, yep. I know who you're talking about, but yeah, I mean, of course I know who you're talking about. I'm, I'm, I'm a Bears fan, but um, I think I, I'm with you on this, but, you know, the differential in, and what they were paying, Roquan Smith to what they're paying Tremaine Edmonds. Now there, there's not that much of a difference. And, but you know, you're taking a gamble on a 25 year old linebacker. It's going to be an off ball inside linebacker who's had success already in Buffalo. So um, I, I, I get it. Um, why you, why, you know, that would have been an overpay. Um, I'm just going to continue to stay optimistic about Tremaine. Yeah, no, I'm going to continue to do it. I'm going to continue to stay optimistic, but and he very well may be worth it. You know, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I sure, I sure hope he's not because it's backloaded as well too. So we're going to be, yeah. uh, and 50 million guaranteed. I think that's where it's like, that's a, that's a big number guaranteed. You know, you, you got, right. you need to get three good years out of him to feel good about that number. And do you feel strong about getting three good years out of him? I guess that's where I sit. Uh, Mitch, your most underrated move, uh, maybe an under the radar, you know, it's not going to make the headlines, but it's going to pay off big for that team. Underrated move. 
Uh, I'm going to go with TJ Edwards. I'm going to stick with the Chicago oh, Bears. There you go. I love um, this one. I really did. Yeah. Three years, 19 and a half million. Um, this guy's just been a stalwart. Like he's just been really, really productive for his, for his position um, with the Eagles uh, over the last few years. And you know what? He's going to, they're going to come at, you know, he's coming into Chicago, taking, you know, getting a little bit of a pay bump, but he's not getting overpaid here. He's not getting overpaid. He's a highly productive uh, linebacker. And I, I love the fit. He's got, he's got youth to him. He's only 26. He's going to be 27 by the season, by the season start. Um, and he fits what Chicago needs. I mean, Chicago needs defense, which is, weird to say because Chicago historically has been predicated on defense um, and they need first level and second level guys. So to add him with Tremaine Edmonds on the second level, this feels like a, just a huge win for the bears and TJ Edwards getting him at the discount uh, that I think maybe a lot of teams would have paid more to get him to get him at this spot. I, I think TJ Edwards is, is a really underrated move for the bears. Yeah, no, a great move. Three years uh, worth a total of 19 and a half million, but only 12 guaranteed. So, but and that's almost why I don't like the Edmonds deal more because it's like you did a great, you got a great value at linebacker there. And then you paid a lot of money for another guy. You know, it's like, could they gone, you know, what was the market if you kind of patched that with two mid-level guys? I don't know. But yeah, I think Edwards is a great value. And as you said, they really reworked that middle line there. Uh, and it's very solid out the linebacker core, and you got to feel good about that uh, going into next season. Mitch, my most underrated move, I'm going with uh, Cleveland Farrell to the Niners. Cleveland Farrell, former uh, number four overall pick in 2019 of the Raiders, a big overdraft at that point. We all knew it. Uh, it was very evident, and he uh, proved that over his stint in, in, uh, in Oakland and Vegas. It didn't work out he never really developed into that guy uh but here he is getting a shot with the Niners on a low risk deal uh just a one year deal and why i like this Mitch is because the Niners have just just churned out defensive linemen in the last couple of years just like it feels like all these low level guys they get in to rotate just end up becoming super solid players that go to other teams and get big time contracts and figure out their their fit and Farrell just seems like a guy that came in with too high of expectations because he wasn't the fourth best player in that draft. He shouldn't have come in with, you know, those sort of expectations uh, and he didn't live up to those, but now he can go just be a guy and find a role and thrive in a role behind Javon Hargrave and Nick Bosa and Armstead and all that talent on that defense, come in, play his snaps, get seven sacks next season, and then go sign a big deal for three years, you know, 25, 30 million next year. Like, I think he's going to be just fine. So I think it's like a huge value move. The Niners just seem to always pick up these good values. And this was another one I saw. It's like, dude, if if we're all of a sudden all super high on Clint Farrell next offseason, I would not be shocked because that's just what the Niners system seems to do. Yeah, they seem to revive careers, <laughs> like, in, in, in a very significant way. Um, and which is exactly what Cleveland Farrell needed, right? He was 100%. overdrafted. Number four, Mike Mayock made a big mistake of taking number four. He could have taken him in those mid round picks. I think where he took Jonathan Abrams, um, the safety, uh, I, I think he could have taken him about in that spot. And, you know, he just hasn't really lived up to the hype of what, 
you know, of what his draft value was. So I think it's a great reset for Cleveland Farrell. San Francisco has a knack for doing that. Um, he doesn't have to move far. It's going to be an easy relocation for him. Um, and he gets to start with a organization that has a great defensive pedigree to start with. So he's, he's not coming into a situation where he has to, um, you know, be a leader or anything like that. He just gets to be a part of a great system and, and really integrate himself into that already established great system. Yeah. hundred percent. Uh, Mitch grass isn't always greener. This one is, you know, it may seem like it's going to be a great new fit in your new place, but, uh, it's just probably not going to work out in this new destination. Um, my pick for this is Jesse Bates, the Bengal safety headed to Atlanta uh, on a pretty big deal. It's the fourth uh, biggest contract for a safety ever, four years, $64 million. Uh, but it just feels like one of those contracts that, again, it's like almost with the uh, annual overpay sort of thing. It's probably not going to pay off. You know, safety is just one of those positions. It's hard to find like really good value out of it. And you're paying a guy somebody else has developed in franchise tag, and now you're paying him the big contract into his late 20s. Are you going to get $15, 16000000 million a year worth out of him over the life of this contract? Probably not. Is he going to be a good player for Atlanta? I'm sure. As long as he's healthy, Jesse Bates is a really good safety. It's not a question of that, but I just feel like, you know, he's not going to be the, the Jesse Bates of Cincinnati over the course of this contract. Uh, so, yeah, I just feel like probably not going to work out better for him in Atlanta. No, I, I don't think so either. I it, it, Honestly, I, I think him being in Atlanta puts him kind of on an island. You know, mm. he's he's by himself in that in that defensive secondary where he's going to have to be the playmaker, and that really makes really good s- defensive backs look really bad. Mm. Yeah. Um, you need some supporting cast back there, and when you don't, it's a tough look for you. So I think it's a tough fit for Jesse Bates to be in Atlanta. Um, and, I mean it sucks because he's a great player and we saw a lot of great things out of him in Cincinnati. I think he's just going to be in a really bad situation in Atlanta. Yeah. Fair enough. Mitch, your pick for grass isn't always greener. Yeah. I got Stefan Gilmore going to the Dallas Cowboys. Oh, okay. Um, this is, it's only on a one year deal, one year, just shy of 8 million, 7.96. So let's call it eight. Um, one year, $8 million deal. Um, 33-year-old quarterback going to the Dallas Cowboys. Um, unless your name is Darrell Revis, Rondé Barber, or Champ Bailey, I'm sorry. There's not a whole lot of other cornerbacks out you know, past the age of 30 that really produce that well. And Stephon Gilmore really hasn't shown that he can be that dominant guy like he has been in Baltimore, like he was for those couple years in New England. He's just not that guy anymore. Um, I don't see that getting any better in Dallas, a, a team that has struggled against the pass over the last couple of years. And, you know, we can see the gaudy turnover numbers, right? They had, you know, Diggs had the big interception numbers, but, you know, we also saw the analytics of that. He was getting beat most of the time. He just made big plays. Um, I don't think that this situation in Dallas, it, it, it doesn't make the situation any better for Stefan Gilmore. So, um, I wish the best for him, but I don't see how this works as an age 33 quarterback or cornerback, uh, going into an already struggling secondary. 
Yeah, it, you know, it is an interesting move, sort of veteran move. I guess you would expect a contender level team to make. I think they gave up, what, a fifth round pick for him in the trade. Um, if I remember right, I'm trying to find it real quick. But, uh, you know, obviously not a super big investment to go pick him up from Indianapolis. But, uh, oh, yeah, fifth round, uh, fifth round pick number 176 overall, a compensatory pick. Uh, headed to Dallas, uh, headed to Indianapolis in exchange for him. So, yeah, for Indy, I mean, it's a very smart move to move off of him. But yeah, you're right. I think for Dallas, it's yeah, it's probably not going to work out. He had a good year for Indy last year, but he was up and down in Carolina before that. Defensive Player of the Year before that in New England. But it's like if we're expecting that guy to come back, yeah, it's probably not going to happen. So uh, I think that's probably a good call there. Uh, Mitch, the Amari Cooper trade award. This goes to the best trade outside of, you know, the big moves. So no AJ Brown, Tyree kills, you know, those are, you know, we know those are more likely going to work out. Those are really good players, but maybe the under the radar trade move that you thought uh, is going to work out. My pick for this is Johnny Smith to the Falcons. Speaking of the Falcons, didn't like what they did with Bates did like what they did here, picking up, uh, the tight end Johnu Smith from the New England Patriots. They traded a seventh round pick, number two forty five. Uh, that's like the eighth to last like pick of the draft. It's so far back, uh, and uh, they get Johnu Smith, who did literally nothing in New England after signing a four year, fifty million dollar contract back in twenty twenty one. Falcons get him for nothing, Mitch. And why I like this, you're thinking to yourself, like, what is Jonu Smith going to do for the Falcons? Mitch, it's going to do everything, Mitch. I would not be surprised if if next season the Falcons just straight up don't even categorize Kyle Pitts as a tight end anymore. They might just totally place him as a wide receiver now. Because Jonu Smith allows you to put him in line and move Kyle Pitts Kyle Pitts is already playing that Y tight end, that move tight end, moving around, but he could be an X on the outside. I mean, he can. And Drake London on the other side could be an X. He can also be the power slot. So you have all this versatility on the outside with London and Pitts. And I think Jonu Smith is like, all right, we slide him in line. You block. You play that tight end. We're just putting Pitts and London on the outside, and we're doing whatever the hell we want with those guys. One, one, one play, he'll be a slot. The other play, he'll be a slot. The other guy, he's going to be on the outside, and then he'll be on the, you know, we're just going to do everything with these freak athletes on the outside. And so for that reason, I think Jadu, you know, moving inside, he's got athleticism, movement skills as a tight end on his own. But for what it means for Kyle Pitts, I think it's going to open him up. And I, I that's the vision I see with the offense. We'll see what it looks like. But uh, that's why I'm digging this. He kind of talked me into it. <laughs> I, 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 we talked about this before the show started. And I was like, "Really, Johnny Smith to Atlanta? That's your pick?" And you're like, yeah. "You're like, no, I got this, I got this." <laughs> now I'm thinking about it. Johnny Smith at the Y, Kyle Pitts at the X, and Drake London at the Z. Exactly. I mean, two tight ends wow. with the Tennessee offense, right? The Arthur Smith offense. Then you shift right Kyle Pitts across, and you, you and you basically go a tight trip set. Mm-hmm. When you motion Kyle Pitts across, I mean, God dang it. There you that, go. Could be, that could be deadly. I you know what? Yeah. I love it. I okay. love it. You talked me into it. I wasn't so go. sure on John Smith, <laughs> but darn it. And you know what? The guy can block too. He's a great yeah. blocking tight end as well. So he provides help in the run game, um, which is something the Falcons want to do. They want to run the football. So oh, yeah. this is, this is going to be a fit that darn it. 
Well done, Dallin. You talked Thanks. me into it. You Thanks. talked me into John Smith. I like it. I like it. Again, low-key, you know, doesn't move the needle. He's not going to have like a thousand-yard season himself. But I do think it just no, no, shifts, no, no. changes the way this offense looks for the better. Uh, Mitch, you didn't really have a a, a, a pick for this, but we're no. we're just going to let you be happy about DJ I have Morgan. To, I, have to, I have to thank you. I have to oh, thank yes. you in just letting me do this because – I just went with DJ Moore to Chicago and I know that this is a big deal, but this is, this is massive. This is massive for me. This is massive for the bears This is massive for bears fans to finally have a wide receiver one. What we thought we were going to get Allen Robinson to be, and he just really wasn't mm. that. Um, now we pair him up with a quarterback with promise. I mean, DJ Moore adds a completely different dimension to the Chicago offense. I think more so than fans actually realize. Um, we like to talk about how, how diverse and how game-changing Darnell Moody can be on the deep ball, which he really can be. He can be in the right, in the right scenarios, but you can't rely on a guy that's only going to catch the ball four times a game. You just can't. DJ Moore can be a target monster can be a target monster in that offense. And if you attract away the, the attention away from everyone else and put it on DJ Moore, even if he's getting, you know, you know, 80 receptions a year, everyone else is getting freed up in that offense. The Cole Komets, the Darnell Moody's, the Chase Claypools, they're going to get freed up and be bigger contributors to that offense. So adding a big guy like DJ Moore, a big threat, just opens up the playbook so much more for the Chicago Bears. And that is by far the best trade I think we've seen all off season more so than all the trade compensations. I would, yep. I just love that we have DJ more now. Yeah, no, I think it's great. And, and for those who, yeah, just don't see him as that guy. Uh, keep in mind that for his entire career in Carolina, he's been catching passes from Taylor Heineke, PJ Walker, Teddy Bridgewater, Sam Darnold, uh, Baker Mayfield, uh, I'm, I'm forgetting some because didn't he uh, catch Kyle Allen, Cam, uh, Cam, Cam Newton. There. Yeah. I mean, yeah. the list continues. That's, that's, that's the point is he's been incredible catching passes from like, God knows who, I mean, any level of consistency and talent is just going to open the door for him and his possibilities He's a pro bowl level player for that reason. So yeah, I, if he had to go anywhere, listen, I'm so sad to see him go. He's an incredible player, but if he had to go anywhere, I'm so happy with your team. I can't wait to root for him in Chicago. Cause I will look, be, look, we will take good care of DJ. We'll oh, I hope you will. DJ. I hope yes, you will keep him at it. Get, build him a new stadium. Cause that stadium sucks. Hey, no, uh, we're going to Arlington park, baby. We're going to right, Arlington park. <laughs> Mitch, final one here on the superlatives, the Christian Kirk Award. I love this one. This is one I'm most excited about. It's the deal that we think is bad right now. But by the end of next season, we're going to look back on it and be like, yeah, that was a really good deal. Think back last year when we saw that Christian Kirk deal come through. We saw 20 million, 21 million a year for Christian Kirk over four years and went, what the hell is Jacksonville doing? What the hell are they doing? Christian Kirk, that guy? And then look, he was like almost a thousand yard receiver. He was incredible. He was incredible for the team. It stabilized the offense. They go to the playoffs. Lawrence is great. It's like, oh, fantastic move. Exactly what they needed to do. What's that move going to be this year? What's the move that right now fans are saying, I don't know about it, but then we're going to look back and be much more on board. My, my, one of my, 
first thought, and you used him earlier, was Jimmy Garoppolo, right? Because the because the reaction has been so viscerally negative, right, towards him. Right. I'm gonna go and stick with that same team. I'm gonna go Jacoby Myers, though. I'm going to go the Jacoby Myers oh, yeah. deal because I don't, you know, it's not like anyone's super excited about Jacoby Myers. You're like, we got Devontae Adams, Hunter Renfro, Josh Jacobs. Like, why are we paying $11 million a year, uh, you know, for Jacoby Myers? Three years, $33 million, 21 guaranteed. Uh, but but think about, think about this, guys. This is how I think about things. It's not just like the players on the field. But what does it do for the scheme? What does it do for the math, right? Jacoby Myers is a really good slot player. Uh, that's what he's kind of known for. But he actually only played 50% of his snaps in the slot. He played 50% of his snaps on the outside. And in limited snaps, he's been one of the more efficient players on the outside in the NFL. And we know Hunter Renfro is one of the best slot receivers in the NFL, period. Not good on the outside at all, though. So what does this do for you? Uh, if you thought, oh, it's a little, you know, redundant, right? You got a slot guy in, in Renfro. You bring in a slot guy in Myers. No, Myers is going to be fine on the outside, but it's also going to allow you to move him into the slot at times, play with those numbers. And then when you're talking two wide receiver sets, Mitch, you're throwing Devontae Adams and Jacoby Myers out there. Myers is a great blocker, great in the run game. You can motion him inside, create, you know, using him in blocking schemes. Renfro can't do that. Right. He, he's not that kind of player, but M Myers can and he can do all those other things as well. So he's an all around talent that does a lot of things really well, is going to just piece a lot of the holes and allow the stars to shine in their best light. You know, Devontae to shine on the outside the way he does so well. Renfro to shine in the slot the way he does so well. And Myers is just going to do everything else. So I think it's a I think it's a wonderful fit. And yeah, you know, Raiders fans, he's not a home run, but you're going to look back next year and be like, yeah, that was a that was a great signing. As you talked about this, I really thought about like, wow, this is really going to let Renfro, like you just said, shine in the slot, which is where he thrives. And it made me think that Jacoby Myers might be one of the most underrated wide receiver twos in the, in the entire football, in the entire national football. Oh yeah. Um, not necessarily because of his production, but because what he allows other players to do around him um, and what he adds to the run game. You mentioned the blocking. Um, this is, this is a guy I would feel totally comfortable being my wide receiver two, totally comfortable. And you just, you mentioned all the great, all the great accolades to it uh, that are all, all the great, things that he's able to bring to an offense. Uh, Jacoby Myers, absolutely a, a great recipient of a, of this award. That's going to be a, a guy that I think years down the road, we're going to go, wow, this isn't so bad. This wasn't yep. so bad. Jacoby Myers was a good ad. Yeah. What about you? I want you to hang with me here. Cause I'm going <laughs> to go, I'm going to go Baker to Tampa Bay. Okay. I'm going to go Baker Mayfield to Tampa Bay. All right. And. I want to start with that Baker Mayfield has not given himself a great track record to start off his career, right? He has not really given himself a great place to start at all. Not a whole lot of success. He's had flashes of greatness flashes of, of just like, wow, how did he do that? Wow. He looks great right now, but the majority of his career, man, he just, man, it hasn't lived up to the hype, but now he's in Tampa Bay, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, whoever they got at, t at, at tight end. It seems like they have a great tight end, no matter who they yeah. start, whether it's OJ Howard or, or Cameron Braid or whoever it is. They always got someone serviceable at tight end. 
The running back situation, Rashad White, big Rashad White guy. They're going to have a run game there, I really feel like. The defense is there. Todd Bowles, defensive guy. Why wouldn't this be Baker's opportunity to turn his career around? Hmm. Why not now? And I, I've i been kind of a Baker believer his entire career. I've been a guy that's not a really Baker given bro. up. I've not, I haven't really given up on Baker because I feel like um, – the the situation in Cleveland is so toxic that maybe in hindsight it was never really going to work out. Yeah. Going to Carolina, uh, yeah, that's not a good fit in hindsight. No, but not I with believe Matt Rule. I not with Matt Rule, but I believe in the talent of Baker Mayfield. Yeah, and I think that given the right situation, it can happen. And maybe a disciplinarian like Todd Bowles. Todd Bowles is a no bullshit kind of guy. Right, he he runs a tight ship, and he's very good at what he does of making sure his players know their role and do their job. And maybe that kind of coaching over the top of Baker Mayfield is exactly what he needs in Tampa Bay. So I love the fit of Tampa of Baker to Tampa Bay, and maybe this is something that on paper you're not super excited about, but give it the one year. Give yep. it the one year, and we might be talking about because you're not going to be talking about Cal Trask by the end of the year. I'll guarantee <laughs> it right now. You will not be talking about Cal Trask at the end of the year. You'll be talking about how Baker Mayfield led that team to a wild card appearance oh, okay. at the end of the year. Yeah, that's well, what you'll be talking about. Yeah, and he, and here's the thing: it's a one year, four million dollar deal, right? Up to Cheap. eight. Up to eight, right? If he wins the job and takes him to the playoffs and makes a problem, you know what I mean? It's like best case scenario is making eight million. That's nothing. That is chump change for quarterbacks for a guy who's the number one overall pick just a few years ago. And you're competing him against Kyle Trask, right? The former former second round pick who they've said, you know, they they continue to say, hey, we you know, we like him. You know, we're we're cool with rolling with him. Well, now you've brought in the perfect competition because if Kyle Trask is really good enough, he'll beat Baker for the job, right? And and you'll have no doubt come week one that Trask is your guy. And it reassures I, how you feel about him. But if he doesn't, then it tells you what you know about Trask. And it opens this opportunity, as you said, for Baker to prove himself because he's got a lot to prove. We write off quarterbacks so quick in the NFL nowadays, guys. It's so just quick. like we see Ryan Tannehill. We've seen Geno Smith. Like, just keep those guys in your mind when we write off the Zach Wilsons and the Baker Mayfields and all these guys already in their career. Like, there is a long path to be had and a career to be had for these guys, even if it's not what we expected of them on that draft night. So I'm right there with you. I think this is a great pickup for Tampa. I think it's going to work out. I really do. I, I sure hope so. I sure hope so. This is, yeah, this should be a great fit. Great fit for Baker. Great. Fit yeah. For Baker. yeah, no, I think it's a smart move by Tampa. who needed to add another quarterback to that room. And, uh, and there we go. That's, uh, that's what we have. That's, uh, that's NFL superlatives right there, Mitch. Uh, Again, more moves to be had. We've seen even some come through as we've been live here for the first hour of the podcast. Uh, I saw Orlando Brown is now a Cincinnati Bengal. He just signed a big deal with for uh, with Cincinnati to be their new left tackle. So pretty big uh, move for Cincinnati short bow line. So, uh, you know, we'll continue to react to talk about those as they come. Lamar Jackson still pending uh, officially today. He could uh, talk to teams. So 
you know, maybe we'll get some noise in the coming days there. And obviously the Rogers thing, as we discussed, uh, still TBD. We'll, uh, we'll see where that gets to, but, uh, in the meantime, Mitch, let's take a quick break. Let's hit the mid roll. Uh, and on the other side, a lot of fun. We're going to do the resume check again. We're doing who the hell is that again? And then, uh, as Mitch alluded to, we're doing something fun on the backside, a bracket competition, uh, in honor of March madness. So, uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. You're not going to want to miss it. So stick around and we'll be right back. For checking out the sports hour today we appreciate you wherever you're listening but if you haven't already we recommend you check us out and give us a listen on anchor anchor allows us to provide the best product to you you can go support the sports hour and become a permanent part of the show like my saint of a mother sammy and my father david did you can even leave us voice messages with your thoughts and opinions that we can use on the show prove to us that you know better than me and Mitchmo. Moral of the story, people, be more like Sammy and David. Go find us at anchor.fm slash the sports hour guys and become a part of the conversation. What the hell are you waiting for? Welcome back into the second half of the sports hour. Thanks for sticking with us. And thank you for tuning in here on the live feed on YouTube. And if you're listening to us in the future, thank you for listening to the podcast. We yes. appreciate uh, your participation in this. Down second half of the show coming up, we're going to get back into some new segments that we debuted last week that we had a ton of fun with. We got a couple additions to the Boys Club, Return of the Boys Club. Who doesn't <laughs> love the boys? 
Um, a little Kraken update, and then a special segment that we have at the end in lieu of our draft. So, Dallin, let's start with the segments, our fun segments, our fun yep. time, Dallin. This is our fun time. This is the time we get to have fun a little bit on here. Absolutely. Yeah, let's start with the resume check. I mean, so, all of it's fun. but Of course, you know, yes. This is... This is <laughs> The more, the more particular fun. Yes. Uh, yeah. You know, the resume check, if you, if you weren't listening last week or don't remember the idea behind this game is, uh, I'm going to lay out the resume for a championship team. And Mitch has to tell me, uh, what team I'm talking about. He's going to get five hints, three guesses, two additional hints after each, uh, the first two guesses. And again, a championship team in their given sport. That's the parameters for resume check. And this week, Mitch, we are talking about a Super Bowl champion. Oh, boy. So, Here we go. MLB last week, NFL this I'm week. I'm still mad that I missed the 2002 Angels. I'm still mad about that. Yeah, that was a tough I listened one. back to that as episode and like all the clues. I'm like, of course that was it. Like, like, and of course, <laughs> like now that I know the my an- friend and now that I know the answers, like, of course, it's going to be more obvious. But darn it. I was so <laughs> mad at myself. I should have gotten that one. But this well, should be a fun one. Redemption is your name this week, Mitch. I feel it coming. Uh, all righty. Right. We're looking for a Super Bowl champion, Mitch. Here are your five hints to start. Number one. Okay. Uh, Number one thing about this team, Mitch, uh, their gunslinger MVP quarterback early in his career led this number one seed to a Super Bowl win. Uh, They led the league with the most points scored and the fewest points allowed. Defense was led by a Hall of Fame level defensive lineman. And they had a Heisman winner on the roster as well. Uh, The team did not, however, have a thousand yard rusher or a thousand yard receiver. Finally, this team became the first team since 1972 to go undefeated at home. Mm. Those are the five hints for you. I can run through them again. And again, Mitch will get two uh, additional hints after each of his first two guesses to kind of narrow the field a little bit. So that's where we team, got to start. First team since 1972 to go undefeated at home. Well, that points to the 72 Dolphins. Um, gunslinger. No thousand yard receivers or rushers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm going to start this off. Whew. Was that 96 or 97? I think it was 96. I'm going to start this off with the 96 Packers. Redemption is your name, Mitch. Let's go. Redemption is your name. And I knew you'd get this one this week. Of course, you'd get this one so easy. It is the 96 Packers, Mitch, led by that gunslinger and Brett Favre in his career. Brett Favre leading yeah. a number one seed to a Super Bowl win. Uh, yeah, they scored 456 points that year and allowed 210 leading the league in both those categories. Nobody had gone undefeated at home 
since the Miami Dolphins until that season in 1996. Uh, Reggie White on the defensive line, Desmond Howard, the Heisman winner on the roster, and yes, no 1,000-yard receiver or 1,000-yard rusher. Crazy for a team that led the league in points scored to not have a 1,000-yard receiver or rusher in the season was crazy. They, I, If I remember correctly, they had like – the pl- like it was like 10 different receivers on that offense that like contributed to the receiving of Brett Favre and then they had some tight end i think Chamura was his last name <laughs> yeah uh, yeah mark chamura yeah he was like like his big red zone target like so it was oh, yeah Keith jackson is who you're thinking of 10 receiving touchdowns as a tight end yeah, uh, that Jackson, season. Yeah. yeah. Chamorro was on that roster as well. But yeah. Jackson. Yeah. The, yeah. The yeah. leading receiver on that team, Antonio Freeman had 933 oh, receiving wow. yards that That's year. The leading name. rusher, Edgar Bennett, 899 rushing yards and only two touchdowns. Antonio <laughs> Freeman rings a bell. Edgar Bennett certainly does not. So yeah. like, wow. Wow. What a team. Yeah. Incredible. Uh, I got to I got to give you the couple other hints uh, on here that I thought were fun. Oh, yeah. uh, my second hint, uh, I was trying to throw you off. I'll tell you this now. I was trying to throw you off because there's some uh, there's some Chiefs vibes. There's some 2019 Chiefs vibes in these hints. Uh, you know, there's some that clearly point to the era, but young gunslinger, number one pick, you know, uh, there, there's some, you know, you could kind of get some Patrick Mahomes Chiefs thing in there. So I was going to try to throw you off with some of that. Uh, one of the hints was uh, the QB room featured a former Bears quarterback. And, comma, a future NFL head coach. Jim Harbaugh. Jim McMahon. Oh, Jim. Jim Jim McMahon was the former Bears quarterback. Oh, and. And And Doug Peterson was the quarterback. On was the former NFL head coach. Yeah. Harbaugh was the Bears quarterback. The former NFL head coach was Doug Peterson. The former Bears quarterback was Jim McMahon. Those were the other guys in that quarterback room that year behind Brett Favre. The final hint was head coach was one of three former BYU coaches to win a Super Bowl to further drive home the Chiefs thing. Because uh, uh, Mike Holmgren Mike was Holmgren. the QB coach uh, at BYU during the run of Jim McMahon, Steve Young, Robbie Basco, and the like at BYU. Obviously led to a very long career in the NFL for him. So well done, Mitch. You got it immediately. Oh, Spoiled thanks, the whole segment for me. I'm well sorry. I, I, didn't uh, mean no, to, I didn't mean to stink up the show, <laughs> no, man. Good. That's what it's about. Listen, sometimes we get it immediately. Sometimes we can't get the easy ones. I mean, that's just how the games go. That's why we play the games. That's why we do it. That's why we do it. And I can't wait to hear what you got next time, buddy. Yes, sir. I'm sure you'll stump me the next time. So, <laughs> uh, But let's roll in right into our next new segment, which is who the hell is that? Who the hell is that? And Dallin, um, you went to my forte, the NFL. I'm going to go to your forte, the NBA. Okay. And so basically how this one's going to work, if for those who didn't tune in last week or those who need some reminding, I'm going to give Dallin the career path of this NBA player. I will have some hints after his initial guess, one hint after each. He gets three guesses, very similar to the way um, resume check works. But Dallin, are you ready? Yes, sir. All righty. This NBA player had the career path of Washington, Portland, Atlanta, Detroit, Boston, New York. 
Okay, repeat that one more time for me. So, Washington, Portland, Atlanta, Detroit, Boston, New York. Hmm. Okay. Um, now, obviously, I don't know era yet. I don't know sort of, but I had one name come to mind at first, so I'm going to throw it out there. I'm going to go Kelly Oubre Jr., it is not Kelly Oubre. Okay. That's a decent guess, though. I Thanks. Like that. Thanks. Um, so would you like the era? Yes, sir. So this player played from 1995 to 2010. Okay. And then a single season in 2012-2013. Hmm. Interesting. Washington, Portland, Atlanta, Detroit, Boston, New York. Is that right? And I will. Yeah. And I, you know what? I'll throw this in as a bonus Kevin. because this one really isn't even fair. He only played one game in Atlanta. Okay. He was on three different teams in the 0304 season. Mm. So he only okay. played one game in Atlanta and then he moved around two, a bunch. Yeah. So that, okay. yeah, that wasn't really fair to throw. Yeah, uh, yeah Atlanta great. in there, but it is part of his career. Okay. Um, I think I've got a pretty good guess here. I feel pretty good about this. Not 100%, but I feel pretty good about Rasheed Wallace. Well done, my friend. Let's it go. is Rasheed Wallace. Let's go. The Atlanta Sheed. thing certainly put, threw me off. So thank you for clarifying that, you know. And I felt like that was only fair because he was only there for one game and he did start that game, by the way. (laughs) Um, But yes, uh, Rasheed Wallace, um, a a four-time All-Star, four-time All-Star, a 2004 NBA champ with the Pistons, Mm -hmm. Um, the 95-96 All-Rookie team, uh, drafted originally by the Bullets, which is where yeah. the Washington thing comes from. So, yeah, um, that's a tough one because you remember the Blazer years, obviously, early in his career, and you obviously know the Pistons championship window. But exactly, yeah, the stuff in between there was tricky. See, the Boston Celtics one was the hint that, and and when I knew the era, and I knew we were talking about the championship Celtics teams, right at the late two thousands. Then I'm thinking, okay, what veterans were they bringing in for a run, right? Because that's what championship – what veterans are you bringing in for a run? And what do they do? They brought in Rasheed Wallace alongside a number of other guys. You know, they brought in Shaq one year. You know, it's like – so that's I, so, that's, that that's is where so, I kind of picked it up. And that's so interesting that that was the tip-off yeah, for you. Yeah. No pun <laughs> yeah. intended, by the way. Um, that was the the, the thing that – that that leaned you in that direction. That's uh-huh. so interesting. Yeah. That it was Boston at the end of his career. So yeah, Rasheed Wallace. Well done, my friend. That was Man. uh I thought that I might I thought this one might be a little bit of a challenge. It, so, it was and, certainly tough. That was but certainly giving tough. you NBA. I know you know your NBA. So like <laughs> I was like, hey, Dallin's up for the task. I know he's got this. Yeah. And great let's go. Great, great job. Great job, my friend. Let's go. Two for two. On who the hell is that? Got him on the second guess each time. I'm feeling good, man. Feeling good. I like that. Vibes like are that. high, man. Vibes good are high. confidence. Confidence. I like it. Vibes are high. Mitch, you've got some entries to the boys club, right? We got to throw I a couple names in the boys, to the boys club. club. Okay. Yeah. So really quick, uh, this one's about two weeks late, about a week late, actually. Uh, Kurt Kitayama. 
Oh, yeah, Kurt, of course. Kurt Kitayama getting to the boys club. A local guy. He's from Chico, which is where I live. Chico, California. A graduate of Chico High School. Um, winning his first PGA. Got, got his first PGA Tour victory just a couple of weeks ago in the Arnold Palmer Invitation, Invitational. Um, actually, Dallin, I brought up a memory that you had even forgotten that we played <laughs> basketball against Kurt Kitayama. Yes. Um, <laughs> I told my wife that afterwards because I had told her about this golf. I was watching the golf tournament all weekend and was like, oh, yeah, he actually pulled it off. That's cool. Oh, he's from Chico. I didn't even realize that. And then Mitch tells me the next day, did you know you play basketball against him? I'm like, no, what the incredible. And he played. Yeah. Listen, I, I did watch that whole tournament and he was on, on a Sunday when everybody fell apart and, and nobody could make a move. He held steady and he earned that win. That was, that was a great tournament. I mean, what a great final round by him, by the yeah. way. I mean, just, I mean, he, he went on cruise control and it, cruise control is a loose term, man. He just locked it down. He was dialed final. in. Yeah, he was exactly. dialed yeah. in mm-hmm. on that final round. I yep. mean, what a great round from Kurt. So yep. Kurt Love Kitayama it. Love it. gets into the boys club. Hell yeah. Um, The next addition is Jimmy Garoppolo. Okay. And every boys club. I, and I imagine that the boys club is we're in the backyard we're mm-hmm. barbecuing, we're drinking yeah. some beers, we're having yeah. a good time, we're shooting Love the it. shit. Jimmy Garoppolo is apparently an incredible cook. Oh. And I found this out on TikTok. If you follow at the notorious foodie, that is Jimmy Garoppolo cooking oh. the entire time. And Jimmy Garoppolo is apparently an, a, a huge foodie, foodie and a great cook. Wow. And the boys need to cook. So I, I went with Jimmy Garoppolo here into the boys club because okay. damn everything I've seen him cook. Oh my God. Just looks incredible. Yeah. Just looks incredible. So I'm throwing okay. Jimmy G in the boys club as well. So N- notorious foodie. Is that what you at, said? At notorious foodie. Wow. On notorious underscore foodie on TikTok is Jimmy yeah. Garoppolo. Okay. Uh, take a look at some of his recipes, man. I mean, they're fantastic. I mean, I'll incredible. be perusing. I'll be perusing. Incredible. Man, Jimmy, Jimmy GQ, man. First, he's the most handsome man in the NFL. Then he's, you know, an extremely capable NFL quarterback. Then on top of it, he's great at cooking. Like, geez, Jimmy, save some for the rest of us. Like, I, yeah, yeah, I, I get all the gifts in the world. What is this? You know, I'm uh, sorry, Ken's. <laughs> I sorry, Kenzie. I'm I might want to date jimmy garoppolo i oh i I might i might dump you for jimmy g (laughs) hey hey watch out there i'm I'm kidding i'm kidding i wouldn't do that ever but i might have an affair i might have an affair with jimmy g just so he he can be your hall pass he could be your hall pass you know everyone gets a hall pass he that could be your all that's a good one uh mine's justin timberlake by the way that's that'd be mine um really gt yeah, I think I, I I have an emotional connection with him. I think he'd love me nicely. That's what I'm hoping. Uh, Mitch, let's... he's a te- he's a tender lover. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You've heard future sex love sounds. Come on, uh, Mitch. <laughs> we, 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 weekly Kraken. I just know my wife's watching this in the other room. Cracking up. So, uh, Mitch, weekly Kraken update. We gotta talk about the boys. <laughs> yeah, uh, the boys, man. Yeah, bit of a slide, bit of a slide. Three-game slide for the Kraken right now. It's in at 37-23-7 and seven on the season. That's 80 total points on the year. 
good for fourth in the Pacific Division, so have slipped a bit there. Sixth in the Western Conference, again, slipped a bit there. 81, 81 total points, excuse me. But again, we talked about this last week in the Kraken update. The standings in the West are super tight. It's anyone's game over the last month of the season here, uh, and it remains the same for the Kraken. Yeah, they, they've fallen a little bit, but uh, they're one point back of fourth and fifth, uh, of fifth and sixth, respectively, uh, Colorado and Edmonton, right? Uh, they're just three back of Minnesota Wild for fourth in the Western Conference. So a lot of, you know, one win, boom, and you're right back up the standings. It's still anyone's, uh, you know, game here in the West. Vegas pulling off. They're up at 42 wins. So they're sort of, you know, moving up there, but Kraken are still sitting pretty still in the playoff mix. It's where you want to be, but got to stop the slide, you know, right. This ship here. Can't let too many fall. Uh, and let's make sure we get into this playoffs. Yeah. I mean, it's still really wide open. Maybe second in that Pacific division is about where maybe their cap is best case right? scenario for sure. That's best yeah. case scenario because mm-hmm. Because, I mean, Vegas is playing really yeah, great right yeah, now. Yeah, Vegas is up to 42 wins. They're at 90 points. They're going to be hard to catch for sure. Right. So, I mean, I second the Pacific, Pacific Division, getting a playoff spot there, that's a great second season from the Seattle oh, yeah. Kraken. So, um, we're just going to continue to ride with, ride with the boys. They continue to, like I said last week, own the trenches. <laughs> yes, the sir. The Kraken owns <laughs> the trenches. Yep. I love it. I, I mean, the Kraken, they're they got plenty of time to turn around and continue to play some great hockey. Oh yeah. So. Oh yeah. 15 games left in the regular season for the Kraken. 82 total in the season, right? They've had 67 so far. So again, well positioned to make the playoffs here, but uh, we're just hoping for a top seed, maybe, uh, you know, that, that home field advantage, if you will, in that first round, get those extra game in Seattle. Uh, that's what we're hoping for, for the boys. So uh, Mitch, uh, last bit of the podcast here. We got uh, the bracket. Sports hour bracket this week. No draft, as Mitch alluded to. Uh, in honor of March Madness, again, the NCAA tournament getting underway tomorrow. We've got a little bracket for the podcast. We're going to do it live, and we are ranking and deciding the champion of the best team name in college sports. We've gone through 350 Division One teams name by name, and we've come up with an educated scientific list of 16 of the best names out there. And we're going to go through it live here on the podcast. If you're watching on YouTube, Twitter, you're going to be a part of this. You're going to watch us fill out this bracket live. If you're listening, you're going to follow along as we go through the Sports Hour bracket, best college team names uh, in the land. Mitch, you excited for this? I am. Lots of Bulldogs, lots of Tigers. Lots of lions, but we found the best. So, and yes, credit, to you, credit to you, Dallin, because you found a lot of these as well. So, you being well versed in the college sports, you know, working, <laughs> you know, that being part of your occupation, you know, a lot of these as well. So, uh, credit to you as well to bringing a lot of these names to the forefront. So, yes, sir. Yeah, this is just a fun little exercise. There are some quirky names in college athletics and uh we're gonna talk about uh, a number of them here so if you're watching live on youtube and twitter you can see the the bracket it's up on your screen right now 16 seeds uh you can see this bracket we're gonna go through and and again if you're listening we'll go through this uh matchup by matchup so you can listen uh, and follow along uh but again one through 16 16 teams and let's start mitch uh at the top, let's start with the one in the 16 matchup. 
Yeah, uh, the the Wake Forest Demon Deacons against the University of Missouri Kansas City Ruse. Yeah, uh, short shortened from Kangaroos. Um, look, I I have said this for a long time, and I I said this just before we started the show. The Demon Deacons is probably my favorite college football or college team name mm. of all time. I mean, it's perfect. It's perfect. It's got alliteration. It's got contradiction. It's just perfect. I I love kangaroos. I think kangaroos are beautiful animals. Mm. Um, even though they do have this sick kind of thing where like if they feel threatened by uh, uh, like a predator, they will throw their joey at the predator to escape. Oh, the predator. Just like, yeet their child at it. They'll just yeet and ditch. Like, that's it. Um, <laughs> I might try that strategy when I become a dad someday. I might, I might uh, have don't to do bust that. out the yeeting, yeeting dips. Into the yeeting How about you dip. don't do that because I want to be an uncle, too. Um, so, like, <laughs> I'm going to go with the Demon Deacons here. I think that's okay. a very clear one. Like, that's a very clear win here. Yeah, listen, Kansas, uh, it's almost better had they they shortened it to ruse a couple of years ago, right? Used to be Kansas City Kangaroos, and that alliteration is much better. It almost ruins it to shorten it to ruse. You almost dock points for not keeping Kansas City Kangaroos. But yeah, the Demon Deacons is incredible. Uh, yeah, I, I'm right there with you. They are a number one seed for a reason. The Demon Deacons advance in the 1-16 to matchup, Mitch. Uh, we're on board there. We got to go to the 9-8 matchup, though, and this is going to be a tough one. We got the Wichita State Shockers. Great name against the Stony Brook Sea Wolves. I love the mysticism of a sea wolf, Mitch, because what is that? Wolves don't live in or near the sea. I mean, I'm sure they could wander near a beach once in a while, but I'm not familiar with what a sea wolf is. Is that like a shark? I, like, I don't know what that's supposed to mean. I love the uh, the menacing uh, ambiguity of a sea wolf. I, I I feel a little particular that I'm open to shockers though because I do like it, but I kind of like that I don't know what a sea wolf is. See, and for that same reason, I, I well, okay, look at this mysticism behind sea wolves. Of course, mm. it, it's like uh, it's it's like the kraken, like. Sure. We know what a kraken is, but we don't actually know what a kraken is, right? Like, mm -hmm. like it's a, it's a mythical creature. However, I like shockers better mm. because I know what a shocker is, right? In Kansas, they grow a lot of wheat. Um, when you harvest wheat, they call it shocking the wheat. People that harvested the wheat were called shockers, which is why the Wichita State guy has got the little wheat grass hanging out of his yeah. mouth. Okay. But shockers also alludes to electricity. Yeah. It alludes to, um, I almost said shockiness, which is not the freaking word. <laughs> um, but it, it alludes to other things. Shockticity. Uh, electrical current. Mm. Um, no, it alludes to other things outside of just wheat harvesting, mm. but it is fitting for the region as well. Yeah. Stony Brook and sea wolves. I get it. They're on the coast, but no one really knows what a sea wolf is. This is a sea lion is the wolf that roams the rocky beaches mm. of the East coast. I don't really know. So like I have to go with shockers here 
yeah. uh, over the over the ninth seed Sea Wolves. Okay, here's what I will say: If they were the Seattle Sea Wolves, it'd feel more fitting. But Stony Brook is in New York State, and so yeah, East Coast Sea Wolves just doesn't fit as right with me. I'll go with Shockers with you. We'll go with yeah. the eight in this one. Well, we'll go with the eight of this one. You've convinced me. All right, okay. Mitch. Five twelve matchup. This is always a big one for for upsets in the actual NCAA tournament. The twelve seed, a twelve seed, will win this week, guys. If you don't have a twelve seed upsetting a five in your bracket, you've done something wrong because it happens every single year. So just keep that in mind. Huge betting tip: bet the money line on the 11, 12, 13, 14, and fifteen seeds. Mm, yeah. Okay. Because you will lose a lot of them, but you'll hit big. Yeah. on a ton of them and actually wind up over top uh, there you in go the, in the in the black so yeah there you go okay uh by the way if you're listening or watching live tonight on youtube or twitter you have any thoughts on these uh mascots or these names as we go through if you think one of these is better than the other uh let us know in the comments uh let us know what you're thinking as you go through this because we want to do this with you uh but up next again the 512 matchup got the hawaii rainbow warriors Versus the Purdue University Fort Wayne Mastodons. Uh, first off, Purdue University Fort Wayne. Wow, that's a lot. Um, that's too wordy. Mastodons, though, incredible. Uh, you know, prehistoric creature. I love dipping back into that. Very unique. We don't dip back into that. Mastodons is great. But Rainbow Warriors is also fantastic and especially when they really dug into the rainbow themed and had rainbow themed jerseys or or sort of rainbows in the jersey oh that's just great so i love mastodons but rainbow warriors is tough for me to pass on i'm not gonna lie you you mentioned the uniqueness of the mastodon right a a prehistoric creature mm -hmm. and we love to talk you know i mean who doesn't love to sit down late at night You've been having a couple beers and you're watching stuff on YouTube. That's like, like the dinosaur documentaries, right? Because yep. you just that destroyed want, the dinosaurs. I need you to just know. want your Tell imagination me. to run wild. That's yeah. all you want, right? I love the Mastodon's mascot. I think it's very creative, but you mentioned that it's something we don't see often. We see it on one of the biggest stages of all time. We see it with the Raptors. Ooh, we see, okay. We see that prehistoric mascot. Done and now I know Toronto. I now yep. I know that we see the Warriors on the same platform, mm -hmm. right? But it's unique in the Rainbow Warriors because it fits perfectly with Hawaii, the tropical weather, the Hawaii, the the rainbow that that, that comes after the storm or after mm -hmm. the rain in Hawaii. It is perfect. I visited the campus. I used I I I've see it's a beautiful campus by the way. It's it's fantastic. I love the Rainbow Warriors. I think it's one of the best names in college sports. I have to agree with you here and go with the University of Hawaii. Okay, we're going Hawaii, the 5 seed. So far no upsets in the bracket. We'll see how that continues as we go to the 13 Four matchup, Mitch, the four seed Nebraska Corn Huskers Power Five School against Presbyterian University Blue Hose. Explain what the Blue Hose means for me. This is, by the way, for those listening, we're not talking hose like rappers. Uh, we're talking hose like H O S E, but we're also not talking 
garden hose. Uh, no, we're not. <laughs> specific. So this has to do with their one of their original names back in the eight, you know, 1880s, 1870s, which had to do with blue stockings, right? So the it was a popular name. Like the Red Sox weren't always the Red Sox, right? They were the Red Stockings. Same thing mm-hmm. with the Reds of Cincinnati. They were the Red Stockings. The White Sox were the White Stockings. Um, it was a it was a common thing back in the 1880s, 1890s. This kind of adjusted to the blue hose to talk yes. about the undergarment or a garment that they were wearing and ultimately kind of evolved into kind of a Scottish theme to talk about a kilt. So essentially they're the Presbyterian blue kilts, um, which I think is a way better name. I think that blue kilts is way better than blue hose, <laughs> but I get where the feeling is coming from. Yeah. I'm calling a 13 over four upset. I'm going to go with the blue hose. Okay. Yeah. I'm right there with you too, especially Mitch considering uh, that we went with shockers, which is very similar to corn huskers, but not as good. Uh, so yeah, I'm right there with you. First upset of the night, number 13 Presbyterian blue hose over corn huskers. Let's go to the 314, Mitch. Number three, TCU horned frogs, the horn dogs, as we love them, against number 14, Stetson, the Hatters. Yeah, the Hatters. Yeah, the Hatters. Actually, the college Stetson is named after um, the individual that created Stetson hats, um, which is the cowboy hats that you see all people, you know, everyone wearing nowadays. So Stetson College is named after that same Stetson, and that is why their name is the Hatters. There you go. Um, very unique. It'd be name. like uh, you know, if uh, Mr. Nabisco founded a college and they were the Nabisco Crackers, uh, Mitch, that <laughs> full of that white would, guys, full of white guys. <laughs> but that wouldn't be allowed in 2023. <laughs> uh, now that I think about it, and say full that full white dudes, <laughs> an all white college. I'm just kidding. Uh, no, that's <laughs> racist. Okay. <laughs> Mitch, all right, uh, Stetson Hatters. This ain't, uh, this ain't 1872, Dallin. Listen, listen. As great as the Hatters is, though, the Horned Frogs is great. Can we go? I got to go TCU in this one. The Horned Frogs is a great specific animal that's not intimidating, but the way they've turned it into the Hypno Toad and, and they've just embraced it, TCU, it's incredible. I think Horned Dogs has to win. Horned, I even said Horned I, Dogs. Oh. I know. I love it. I love that you said horn dogs. That's an all time moment on the podcast, by the way. Um, I love the story of how the Stetson Hatters got their names, but I gotta say, Gigum Frogs. Yeah, like, give, give me, give me the TCU okay. horn frogs. Okay, we're going TCU number three seed there. Eleven and six this is a really good match of the six seed Coastal Carolina, the Chanticleers versus number eleven, the Campbell University Fighting Camels. Uh, for those who are not familiar, Chanticleer, it's a rooster. It's a French word for a fancy fighting rooster. Uh, you know, so like that Ricky Bobby, you know, uh, El Diablo. What does that mean? Uh, I think it's Spanish for like fighting chicken. Or I, something. I think it's Spanish uh, for like fighting chicken. Yeah, This is like French for like fighting chicken, but like <laughs> actually not not like not like the Ricky Bobby thing, uh, which one is a great mat, great mascot name, a great color scheme, the teal that they use in Coastal Carolina. But Campbell University from the Big South coming in hot with the fighting camels. 
camels would be great, Mitch. You add fighting camels in front of it. Uh, I think this is upset alert for me. Look, so my biggest, so I love when teams put fighting in front of mm, it. So yeah, part of the reason why I love the Notre Dame fighting Irish. Oh, yeah. I love, Kev. I love that name because they have the fight in front of it. If they were yeah. just the Notre Dame Irish, I wouldn't care. Not but as the cool. Fight, the fighting Irish. Absolutely. I'm all on board. Um, the Chanticleers. Mm-hmm. Here's, here's their downfall. Mm. All they did was be the South Carolina Gamecocks and just make it French. Ooh. Oh, you're so right. You're That's all they so did. so right. I haven't even put that together. They're in the same state, Mitch. That's all they, they did. Just like, we're going to be teal instead of red. <laughs> we're going to be French. Game so cocks. give me give me the fighting camels. <laughs> give me the fighting camels. That's Upset incredible. alert. Give me the camels. Yeah, we're going fighting camels. I hadn't even put that together. That is incredible. Wow. Yeah, you're right. What frauds. Uh, <laughs> all right. 7-10 matchup, Mitch. A couple uh, animals squaring off here. We got the seven seed. You see Irvine, the anteaters. Great one. Great one. Anteaters. Uh, Very quirky. Number 10 seed, the Delaware Fighting blue hens. Uh, so we're hitting Mitch again with the fighting animals. Mitch loves the fighting. Uh, and again, not just the fighting hens, but the fighting blue hens. Uh, they're they're, uh, they're making it tricky here as the 10 seed. Look, this is probably the toughest matchup of the whole bracket, mm. I think. Um, because anteaters, quirky. Man, yeah. they're just, they're, they're, that's a great mascot. Who thinks of it's, that? Yeah. No one, no one else has that. No one else has that. And honestly, I love the mascot. I love the logo too. Mm-hmm. It's it's very plain looking, but it's different from everything else. But the Delaware fighting blue hens, it's you don't have anything else like it. It's got fighting in front of it. It's an off color of what hens actually are. It's completely unique to Delaware. And yep. no one else could even ever replicate it. So I have to go the 10 over seven upset here and I have to go Delaware. I'm right there with you, Mitch. And especially as we did not pick Chanticleers, this is an upgrade over Chanticleers fighting blue hens over Chanticleers. As far as, uh, you know, yeah. uh, bird fighting bird mascots go. No, that, um, yeah, that has to be it. We'll go with the fight blue hens. Final one here, Mitch, the 15 two. And of course it's fitting. You may be seen this 15 seed. What is this? The NCAA tournament? No, it's not 15 seed. St. Pete's the St. Peter's peacocks, the NCAA tournament darling from a year ago, who stunned Kentucky and made their way to the elite eight. They're the 15 seed here against number two, Arizona State, the Sun Devils. Sun Devils is such a great name. It's so unique to Arizona. It's so fitting for Arizona, uh, but it just has like a a fun sort of vibe to it, uh, an edginess to it that I love. Peacocks is great and unique, and they've pulled off the 15-2 upset before, so it's kind of tough for me, Mitch, but I'm going to say I am leading Sun Devils. Peacocks is very, very unique. Again, like Mastodons, like Fighting Blue Hens, Anteaters. There's nothing else like it. It's very, very unique. Um, But Sun Devils, man, that's just cool. Yeah. It's just cool, man. Man, I'm a Sun Devils fan. Right. I mean, are you kidding me? 
Like, that's a great statement to say, man, I'm a big fan of the Sun Devils. That's a great, great team name. And I have to go Arizona State in this one as well. I mean, the two seed over the 15. Got to have it. Okay. We're going Arizona State, and we're on to the next round. As you can see here, if you're watching, uh, we've, you know, got got quite a number of upsets here. 13 and 11, a 10 seed making it through to the next round. We'll continue on through, Mitch, with the one versus eight matchup. Here we go. Wake Forest, the Demon Deacons versus Wichita State, the Shockers. I'm not going to lie, Mitch. I think this is an easy one for me. Demon Deacons all the way here. Uh, I'm rolling with Wake Forest. I I love the Shockers name. I mm-hmm. think it's a fantastic name. Fantastic name. But my heart is with the Demon Deacons in this matchup. Yep. I have to take I have to take Wake Forest. Okay. To. We're taking Demon Deacons over the Shockers to make it into the final four. Uh, five versus 13 next for a chance to face off against Wake Forest. Hawaii, the Rainbow Warriors versus Presbyterian University, the Blue Hose. What are you thinking here? Again, another one that pulls in my heartstrings because I love the thought and the history behind the Blue Hose, but the Rainbow Warriors is just so damn good. Yes. I have to go with Hawaii here. Yep, the Cinderella run ends for Presbyterian. We'll go the five-seed Hawaii, make it and on to the next round. The Rainbow Warriors advance three versus 11 here. TCU, the Horned Frogs, number three. Campbell, the Fighting Campbells. The Fighting Camels, excuse me, number 11. <laughs> the Campbell Camels is incredible. Mitch, Horned Frogs versus Fighting Camels. Man, this is a really, really tough call. Uh, if you're watching, if you're listening live, let us know your thoughts here. Horned frogs fighting camels. I feel like this is kind of a toss up for me. Where are you leaning here? This is like a double overtime matchup. Like, I feel like that there, there, this is one of those matchups that like, it's going to come down to the wire. We're going to double OT. Damn it. Gigam frogs. Oh, you're you're leaning horn. I I really want to pick the camels here, but I think they just slightly edge out the camels. And it's because that the horn frog is very specific of a mascot. Like a camel Mm -hmm. is very is that's one species, but a a a frog, a horned frog is a subsect of an of a very specific species. Right. We're, We're looking at a very unique, different animal. A and, different level of specificity. Here and honestly, with the, with like, think about it. You, you have gigam frogs, right? It, you have gigam frogs. Then you have what? Camels? Like, I don't know what. No, that you is. got hump on. What do you mean? Hump, oh, hump on. <laughs> just, what, just what, do you, what do you do that? I don't know. Hump <laughs> on. That sounds nasty. Get your mind out of the gutter graph. No, Mitch, here's the thing. Here's my argument for this. I just accidentally said this name is a great alliteration. I didn't realize the cam, the Campbell camels. Are you fight? Are you going to go to bat for the camels? I, I kind of feel like we have to roll with the fighting camels on here. The 11. I disagree to make I, a run to fighting camels. You, you, Mitch, you love the fighting anything. And listen, horned frogs are great. I love the fighting anything, but, but the horned camels, frogs are so damn camels. good. When do we see anything like a can, you know, 
When did we see anything like a frog? By the way, frogs, my second favorite animal behind a duck. So Mm. there's a bias here. I'm leaning biased a little bit. We need a decision. We need we need a tiebreaker. How do we decide this? Hold on just a second. I'm going to grab a coin. Okay. We're going to go coin flip on the podcast to decide. Because, again, this is a tough one. Uh, And if you're listening and you have any opinions, you know, last chance to voice them here to to sway us on a way. But uh, we're we're debating between number three TCU Horn Frogs, number eleven the Campbell Fighting Camels, Jesus best names in college team uh, in college. Jesus Mitch has got a coin. Be, Jesus will be heads, and the back will be tails. Okay. Okay. You call it in the air. Obviously, you're calling for the camels. Yeah. Okay. Right. Yep. Ready? Go. Yep. Tails. Tails never fails. It is heads. All right. There it is. Jesus wins. We're going with TCU. <laughs> Jesus. Well, that makes sense. It's Texas Christian University. I should have known does. I was playing against bad odds there. Uh, <laughs> and you're, you did not have home court advantage in that one. My <laughs> there friend. you go. No upset today <laughs> for this one. And that leads us to the final matchup here in this round. Number 10, Delaware, the fighting blue hens. Number two, Arizona State, the Sun Devils. This is uh this is this is an interesting battle here, a tough one, but I feel like I'm gonna roll, I feel like I'm gonna lean Sun Devils on this one. Dude, we just flip-flopped. Because I think of the fighting teams that we had. This, this is the one you like. This is the one I like. The blue hens? The blue hens. Oh, uh, okay. This is the blue hands. Look, it's so unique. Mm. It's so unique. Anyone could pick fucking camels. Anyone could pick camels. I mean, have they though? They didn't. No, they didn't. But anyone could have. <laughs> no one's thinking blue hens. Can you can you name me a blue hen? No, I don't can even name, know what that is. Can you name me a blue hen that's fighting? I don't think so. So like, <laughs> give me what, what's the, a. <laughs> What's a sun devil, bitch? I don't know. No, listen. It's a devil no, of the sun. That's what listen, I'm talking about. I am, uh, listen, I, I'm with you here. Um, listen, Fighting Blue Hens is a great name. I love sun devils. It's a two seed for a reason, but we'll go with Delaware on this one. Okay. We'll go with the Fighting Blue Hens to get past, and now we're in the final four. We've got uh, the one seed Wake Forest Demon Deacons, the three seed TCU Horn Frogs, the five seed Hawaii Rainbow Warriors, and the 10 seed Delaware Fighting Blue Hens. Some great matchups here to wrap this up. We'll start, Mitch. Demons, Deacons versus Rainbow Warriors. Wow. This, this is a, like the championship. This, this, is should, how good be, these this are. should be a national championship matchup. Oh, this this is not a Final Four matchup. Holy cow. Mitch is such a big fan of the Demon Deacons. I have to ask you first. Are you sticking with your love for the Demon Deacons or are you swayed by the waves and the sunshine of the Rainbow Warriors. Oh, God, I love the Rainbow Warriors so much. It's a great name. Demon Deacons is so cool, though. It's so cool. What's cooler than being a warrior of the rainbow, you know? Oh, give me, give me, uh, I. Ah, uh, down this. Why is this the hardest decision I've ever had to make on this podcast? I don't understand. <laughs> um, 
I this look. This is a tough okay, one. So, so here's the deal. I've talked about how cool Demon Deacons is. The alliteration, the contradiction. It's mm-hmm. all. It's just perfect. It's a perfect mascot, right? Yeah. The eat the evil Catholic guy. Really, I mean that. That's that's where we're yeah. at here. Yeah. Well, For a the, religious school. I mean, I said this to you earlier. We're joking about this in prep. It's like if BYU was like the 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 demon bishops, it'd be like, what are we? You know, like what? That doesn't even make sense. Why would they be that? What what did I say? The devil, the devil Mormons, (laughs) the devil elders, the devil devil elders. elders. Yeah, that's what it is. Yeah, like uh, yeah, it's it's along those same lines. It's so absurd, but it's so perfect. But the Rainbow Warriors fits Hawaii so perfectly and you think about the maori warriors mm-hmm. um and the 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 connection between rainbows and and hawaiian culture <sighs> give me the rainbow warriors over the demon deacons it's hawaii mitch it's hawaii rainbow warriors is and we'll save our thoughts because we'll be the championship but i'm with you rainbow warriors advance the five seed over the one seed wow Love it, Mitch. Uh, who's going to face them in the championship round, though? Number three seed, TCU Horn Frogs. Number 10 seed, Delaware Fighting Blue Hens, Mitch. Uh, I love this. We had on one side of the bracket, we had two uh, team names that are people, right? Demon Deacons, Rainbow Warriors, those are people. Uh, 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 you know, things that pe- pe- people that do things. On this side, we got animals. People that horned, do things, yes. Horned frogs. Yeah, people that have things to do. Uh, <laughs> we got animals. We got the horned frogs. We got the fight. Yeah. Blue yeah. Ends. Where are you leaning here? What are we thinking? I lo- Like I said, I, I have an affinity for team names that have fighting in front of their names. It's tough to beat TC, though. Hmm. Gigam frogs. Gigam frogs. Hmm. Give me the horn frogs here. You know, I was all on board <laughs> with the camels over fighting blue hens. So I'll roll with the horn dogs, the horned frogs here with you. We'll go TCU over Delaware, setting us up for a final matchup. The three seed versus the five seed. TCU, the horned frogs. Hawaii, the rainbow warriors in the championship. Our Sports Hour bracket today, greatest college team names. We've done it live here on the podcast, 16 to now. We have to decide on just one. And Mitch, I got to tell you, I think the way that this has come down, it is a no-brainer to me. Great names, great names, 16 great names across the board, two great names here in the championship, but... The Rainbow Warriors is the perfect name. It's the perfect name. It's perfect for the school. It's perfect for what it represents. It has uh, a sort of levity and fun and quirkiness to it while also having an edge and a grittiness and a competitiveness to it at the same time. Uh, It is perfectly emblematic of the area that it represents and the school that it represents. It's perfect. It's the perfect team name. And uh, I think it's fitting that it's found itself here in the finals. And I did not feel that way before we started this. I I didn't think that beforehand. But as we've come through this, I feel very strongly, Mitch, that it has to be Hawaii. I've saved this point in this argument 
till this matchup because I wanted the Rainbow Warriors in the finals to begin with. Um, okay. It is the most perfect team name in all of sports in the history of the world. Wow. It is the most perfect team name and it cannot beat the Horn Frogs. I'm talking about, sorry, might be too soon. Georgia TCU national championship game, 63, seven. It might be that big of a blowout. Give me the rainbow warriors over the TCU Horn Frogs. Love it. We're going Hawaii. And just like that, folks, uh, there you have it. Our sports hour bracket today on the podcast in honor of March Madness and the NCAA tournament getting underway. The greatest college team names. And we've crowned Hawaii, the Rainbow Warriors, as the champion. And you can see the bracket in front of you if you're watching live. Uh, if you're watching on YouTube later. If you're listening to the podcast, you know, come over, pop on the YouTube uh, check check out uh, this little video because it's a little fun to watch us go through this. If you didn't get the chance, it's uh, youtube.com slash the sports hour, guys. But uh, yeah, Rainbow Warriors, Mitch, this seems uh, perfect, honestly. I'm very happy with how this played out. No idea where we were going to end up, by the way. Had no clue what team we would end up picking at the end. No, I, honestly, I really thought after we had talked about who was going to be in and who was, you know, what the seating was going to be, I thought the Cornhuskers were going to make a run. Um, losing to the blue hose in the first round, I thought was a big upset. Yeah. Um, but I feel like we made really great arguments for why Presbyterian should prevail over Nebraska. Right. Another one that I thought might make it further than what they did was the sun devils. But I think they ran up against a, a Cinderella team, uh, in the, in mm-hmm. the fight in blue hens, um, that got themselves the final four and they just kind of ran themselves into a tough spot. Yeah, absolutely. You know, obviously, I I advocated for the Fighting Camels pretty hard. I would have had them in the championship against uh, Hawaii, and I probably would have gone Hawaii still. But that, you know, looking at this now, if 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 it was my personal, I love that we did this together because we had to compromise, and I love that I, I you know I, I love Campbell there. That so for me, they probably would have gone a little farther. I am surprised though, and it's probably just based on matchup, but it felt like in my head, Mastodons would do pretty well. And I'd probably want to advance them uh, a decent amount, but man, they got Hawaii in the first round, and that was That's tough, a tough draw. draw. It feels like if they ended up somewhere else, maybe they yeah. they make it a little farther on this. Yeah, that's a tough draw in the first round. Getting the Rainbow Warriors, who was the eventual tournament champion, so yeah, yeah, um, exactly. I feel like this is something that we need to do more often. Down, we need yeah. to do more brackets like this. This, <laughs> this is fantastic. Fun. This was awesome. Hey, if you've uh, if you've been listening live, watching live, uh, let us know what you thought. If you had a good time, uh, we did have a comment. Caitlin, my wife, uh, commenting during we saw we missed this when we were talking about this, but she was advocating for the fighting camels as well. Uh, mm. So uh, good that on you. Strong, right there I mean, with strong you. team, strong team. Great names. And listen, I do guys. Wanna- I like, do that mention- doesn't even include the ones we left off. We we like the short list was like 50 deep of t- of names that I came up with oh my just gosh. the first time I cut it down. So, so many good names that, that we left off. I do want to mention some honorable mentions and uh, Dallin, you informed me at the, at the, before we started recording that I accidentally added a division two team on here, yes. which I didn't, <laughs> didn't realize was division two, uh, the Santa Cruz banana slugs. Yeah. 
UC Santa Cruz banana slugs was uh, an honorable mention. And because my lovely lady, Kenzie, went to this college and it's a great mascot that's active as of 2022, the College of the Redwoods, uh, the College of the Redwoods Sasquatch. Ooh, the Sasquatch. And if we're getting and into if we were mythical creatures, now that's a whole that's, that's a whole fun a realm. Run. I mean, yeah, Sasquatch sure. is making a run. I mean, that thing is yeah. that's final four material right there. So. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I love yeah. that. I love that. Give me like, where's the Monterey Chupacabras? You know what I mean? Whoever decides oh. to, to to take that name, they're winning my vote. That'd be another fun bracket, man. Just do like junior colleges, community colleges, mascots, yeah. because they get even weirder. Like we just absolutely we, like, like we went. It's like minor league ones. baseball, you know, yeah. where it's like the, the the lower level you get, the weirder the names get. You get to single A, and it's like they're just saying they're just putting jokes as names. They're not even trying, you know. Actually, can I give you some of the weird ones that I found? Yes, yes, please do. Uh, so Scottsdale Community College is the fighting artichokes. It's <laughs> awesome. Um, the North Carolina School of the Arts is the fighting pickles. Oh, okay, love that. Lots of food, fighting foods. Okay, yeah. Oh, that that was really only two. The rest like of them are, are cute dog mascots, but. Um, oh yeah, yeah. A lot of terriers. There was Great Danes. We left off. You Bulldogs. know, the golden retrie- retrievers, or yeah. So the yeah, the yeah, Great Danes funny. from Albany was another one that we mm-hmm. left off. So uh, yeah, yeah, that would be a great one. Yeah, fun stuff. Wow, that was awesome. The Sports Hour bracket. Uh, that was fun stuff uh, on the podcast, and that's pretty much going to do it for the podcast today. That's all we got. A little fun. Uh, oh wait, before we end, I just wanted to ask you. I know that you know. You're not super into college basketball, maybe didn't follow along, but I'm sure you've maybe thought of or filled out your bracket at this point on Wednesday night. Who are you picking to win the national championship this year? Um, well, because a specific team from a certain state, from a certain college that I have an affinity for, happens to be a one seed and the one seed in the entire country, mm. I'm going to pick the favorite. And that is the University of Alabama. Okay. Roll damn yeah. hide. But if you have to fill out a bracket, Dallin, if you have to fill out a bracket, I must say, go to KSL Sports, hmm. Bracket Mayhem. Yes. And fill out a bracket there because that is a great, a, a great organization, a great, a great company that is doing a bracket challenge right now, put on by Ours truly, Dallin Graff. <laughs> yes. Um, go ahead and get on KSL Sports Bracket Mayhem and fill out a bracket there because um, you know that's one of the best places that you can get in the country anywhere of filling out a college basketball bracket. So make sure that you get on there. Don't fill out that useless paper printout thing. Make sure you get on KSL Sports and make a bracket with them because that that's where the real action is at. Oh, Mitch, what a plug. You're incredible. I didn't even ask you to do that. That was great. Yes, uh, I put in work all that bracket, guys. So if you need to fill one out, you, you want to do it for fun. put in a fun, ton of work, my friend. Yeah. Put in a ton go, of work. Go to KSL Sports, do the bracket mayhem. I love that you picked Alabama, Mitch. I had Alabama in my national championship game, but I do have them falling to Houston. Uh, I'm rolling with the Cougars, the future Big 12, yeah. uh, one of the best teams in the country all year. They seem like Houston's a juggernaut. So good. 
So I have Alabama Houston in the championship game. Uh, Duke and UCLA are the other final four teams that I have this year. And uh, yeah, Houston over Alabama. So should be a fun tournament. It's always fun, uh, you know, to see the upsets, the Thursday, Friday of the tournament uh, here tomorrow and Friday coming up for us as we're recording this. I mean, those are like the best, one of the best days of the year. Just watching college basketball all day while I work is incredible. So can't wait for it and we'll have more uh next week and in the future weeks on the podcast to talk about here but uh in the meantime if you don't already follow us on the socials the tiktok is uh at the sports hour guys the instagram is at the sports hour guys follow the twitter to watch uh us live every wednesday night at sports hour guys you can also do it on youtube at uh the sports hour guys on youtube check out the website the sports hour guys.wordpress.com i'm releasing uh, mock drafts pretty regularly. Uh, we'll most likely have one out next week. Uh, as long as the Rogers deal and we get clarity on Lamar, uh, I will be putting out mock draft 3.0 next week. So you'll want to look forward to that and more as we continue uh, on in the season. And then uh, the podcast feed, if you haven't checked it out on anchor uh, or Spotify for podcasters, as it is now known, uh, you may want to find it there, but uh, anchor.fm slash the sports hour guys or wherever uh, you listen to podcasts. Uh, Mitch, uh, we do need to remind people about Anchor, though, because that is uh, where you can really become a part of this show. Get on Anchor, guys. Now, as Dallin mentioned, it is now known as uh, Spotify for podcasters, uh, which that was branded to us this last week. But get on anchor.fm slash the sports hour, guys. Become a permanent part of the conversation. If you want to leave a voice message, you can do that. Become a permanent part of the conversation. We will lay, leave your, or we will play your message live right here on the podcast, on YouTube, on Spotify, on Stitcher, which, by the way, is anywhere that you can listen to our podcasts. Um, go on anchor.fm slash sports hour, guys. Become a permanent part of the conversation. Like I just said, you can listen to our podcast wherever you get your podcast Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher. Look up the sports hour, guys. You will find us there. Go ahead and get on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating review. Tell us that we suck because down. That's the only way that we can get better. Oh man. It really is. I'm and tired of saying it. Just tell us that we suck already. Will you 162 episodes in almost five years in guys. We're still asking uh, for you to tell us that we suck and how we can get better. So uh, yeah, do that. If you feel so inclined. So uh, yeah. More NFL free agency fun, more dominoes to fall in the future that we'll uh, talk about and react to here, and more fun to be had on the podcast. Until next time, we appreciate you, and we will catch you next week. So long, everybody, and a very pleasant good evening to you, wherever you may be. See ya. <laughs>